Welcome to Bosco Bubble Institute. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good title. Let's pray. Daddy God, thank you for your presence and your love and your smile and your beauty and your magnificence. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for being a smiling God. Thank you that you enjoy when we enjoy our lives. Thank you that you are our partner in joy and peace and love. And in all beautiful things, welcome, welcome Holy Spirit, help me to be clear to the point and to serve you well and to serve my brothers and sisters well, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I'm going to read the scripture and then we'll pick it up later. Mark 4, 26 to 29, this is Jesus speaking, and he said... The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And out of the scripture... This is the title, 38, okay, here we go, all right, so, Uh, hi, here is the, so, we've uh, we've read the scripture about the sower, sowing the seed, and going to bed and going to sleep, and not knowing how the seed grows, and the title of my message tonight, uh, we spent some time together, is, do you know how? Because I don't. Um, I was talking to Celeste. Every time I walk up here and I look at that building, and I realize that we don't owe a cent on the center. And for the life of me, I, I don't know how. I really don't know how. I, I don't know how we built this. Some of you were here. When... Uh, when we, when we planned this building first, it was um, on a piece of ground for which I paid one rand a year. It's a bit expensive, but, you know, you, you had to handle it. And, of course, I felt rather generous at the time, so I paid five years in advance. <laughs> and um, anyway, we got this from the municipality. And, um, and we had, uh, had 10,000 rand. That's all we had. And you, you, some of you remember uh, Estelle and Sun, um, Sneeman, Sneeman. And uh, I went to I went to Sun and I asked him to give me. A, 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 Celeste drew the, this building, and I asked him to give me an idea of what it would cost. So he came back to me and he said, "Well, it'll be 185,000 rand." And I said, uh, I don't even have 185 rand, let alone 185. And then I felt the Spirit of God saying to me, ask him how much it will cost to get the building ready. In other words, to level the ground. This was, this was 
hill. This was uh, river sand all the way from the parking, all the way straight up the, straight up the hill. And uh, so I did. And guess what the answer was? 10,000 rand. So basically the Spirit of God said to me, where's the problem? You got 10,000 rand to start. It costs you 10,000 rand to get going. So I said, okay, soon this is the situation. I'm not going to build on your money and my faith. You know, sometimes Christians do that. Sometimes Christians say, let's trust God. Yeah, but trust it with your money, not with mine. Right? And uh, so I explained to Suan, and he said, okay, let's go. When the 10,000 is over, we stop. So I gave him the 10,000. When the 10,000 was finished, there was another 10,000, and we carried on going until eventually Suan came to me, and he said to me, he said, uh, one day he said to me, he said, Mario, I can't figure it out. I keep on using cement, and I keep on going back to the, way, to the, to the, to the store, and there's still the same amount of cement left I can't figure it out. I said, don't worry. I'm, I sort of can't figure it out. Anyway, we built this thing cash in three months. And, uh, and also, originally, I told him, I said, okay, just give me the shell. Don't give me the floors. Don't give me the walls. Don't give me the ceiling. Just give me the shell. And uh, just the shell was going to be 140000 So that's when I gave him the okay. And by the time we finished, we had underflow heating, which, of course, hasn't been used since Jacob took over. And, um, and we had underflow heating. We had everything, solid doors, we, everything that you see, and we did. And then in 92, we, we ran out of place here for the school and the, and the church, and we, we, we built that one. And it wasn't long after that 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 building was paid for. And then we moved upstairs, and then eventually the church ran about three. I remember the one, the one meeting, we had 330 people up there, like kind of hanging from the windows and everything. And I decided that we had to build the other building. And so we started building that one. That one took a little longer. Uh, it took about two years. No, longer than that, anyway. And so um, we, got, we got to the point where um, we had the, the trusses up, we had the, the steelwork up, and we needed the roof. Now, theoretically, you can build a brick at a time. But when it comes to the roof, especially that roof, you've got to have the money to put it up. You can't just, you know, put, put a, little bit, a little bit at a time. And I remember the one Sunday morning we were, we were up there and I was looking at this, these trusses. And I said to the Lord, I said, I can't remember the time. I said, I'll give you six weeks to come up with the money for the roof. And I wasn't going to paint that, that slab green, draw, draw some lines, and we're going to play tennis. It's big enough. And, uh, and then we left, we went to, I don't, I don't know, were you with me? I went by myself. I went to the States, and um, anyway, long story short, I ministered to my daughter's boss, who was a multimillionaire um, in, uh, in Texas. And he was paralyzed, and I led him to the Lord, and long story anyway. When I, le- when I left his house, his wife calls me, and she said, just wait a minute. She runs into a bedroom, which was about two kilometers down the road. It was a huge house. You have no idea how big that house was. 
And she came back with an envelope, and she gives me an envelope. So I'm going, yes, there must be at least $1,000. In those days, the dollar was 14, and 14 to the rand. So I said, yes, this, I'm sure there's going to be at least $1,000 in here. So I want to open that, that envelope. That thing is burning in my pocket. But the lady says to her doctor friend, why don't you take Mario to the, to the airport with the limousine? So I said, I don't mind, I'll catch a taxi. I'll <laughs> Just let me see how much is in there. So anyway, we go in the limousine and off we go to the airport. And we get to the airport and I say, okay, thank you very much. No, no, don't worry, I'll take you to the gate. And I just about told him, doctor, just go and doctor somebody. I need, I need to be alone. Anyway, moral of the story is that the, the, the first time I was alone was on the, on the, in, on the passage. Hey, how you go? <laughs> Hi. We had the wrong address. We went to your home. Did you? Yes. Hi. Uh, grab, uh, Paul, don't you want to just organize a chair for? Thanks. Uh, yeah, but she's got a husband. So sorry. No, don't worry. I'm sorry. I thought I, thought I did mention. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. All right, so, so moral of the story that uh, uh, on the way to the gate, to the plane, past the gate on the way to the plane, finally I stop, I pull out the envelope, and there's $25,000 in it. The roof, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was 200,000 rand or something like that. And that's when I said to the Lord, I said, you better come up with the money, otherwise I'll paint it green. And he did. When I got to the other side, I, I, I remember I called Lozelle and I said, go ahead, order the, order the roof, we got the money. And uh, so, <clears throat> this is to say that, uh, ha, do you know how? I don't know how. Do you know how we, we're still alive? Who of you should have been dead some time ago? Anybody? Accidents, dead. Look at you. All, all hands up. All hands up. Do... do do, do, do you know how? Do you know how you were preserved? Do you know? I don't. He goes to sleep and he doesn't know how the seed grows. So I want to share with you now out of the book of Acts. Uh, it's another little story. We've been talking about the suddenlies and we've been talking about uh, the silent messages. Remember? So this is another silently, suddenly and silent, silent message. This is Peter. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, the story goes like this. <clears throat> Herod had killed James, uh, the brother of Jesus, and um, he had decapitated him. And he wanted, the Bible is very, is, ah, hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. Shalom, don't worry. Uh, and uh, the Bible is very uh, cryptic about, about this. It just says... He wanting to do the Jews a favor. He took Peter and locked him up. So now we have Peter locked up in a prison. 
And it says, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, he was going to bring him out to execute him to do the Jews a favor. Okay, so this is the last night on earth as far as Peter is concerned. And like I told you many times, remember that Peter couldn't go to Silas and say, Silas, open the Bible in the book of Acts, chapter 12, and tell me how the story ends. Peter didn't know that he was going to make it through. Right? Do you know how? I don't know how. Now watch what he does. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains. Now let me brackets. Uh, once upon a time I went to, I used to do business with, with, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, I used to sell some stuff to the Arabs that should not have been sold to anybody, in particular to the Arabs, but that, but that was me, okay? That was a long time ago. And um, one, one, one of my trips, the agent didn't tell me that you don't get a transit visa in Saudi Arabia. You use up your visa, and the next time you get arrested, which is exactly what happened to me. I got arrested, and I got... Um, what do you say? I got put on the next plane out. Deported. I was deported. The only problem is that the next plane out was the next morning. So I slept. I didn't sleep. This is what I'm trying to say. I was handcuffed on a bench with a soldier next to me that took turns, you know, went and... And I spent the night in Jeddah Airport on a bench... Not knowing what was going to happen to me. Now, guess what? I did not sleep. What, I'm to, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that Peter is relaxed. Peter is so relaxed that, the, the, check this out. The sentries before the door, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. I mean, the guy is not even, I mean, an angel shows up, and he still has and he's still asleep. He's so peaceful. He's so he doesn't know how, but he just know that he just knows that whatever is going to be all right. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, "Get up quickly!" <laughs> and the chains fell off, fell off his hands. Now, talking about the the silent messages, how much do you have to preach when you get out of jail? Like that. You, you don't have to tell anybody, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 23 verse 14 and let's read together. I was in jail. Herod was going to cut my head off. But I saw an angel. And Peter is so freaked out by this thing that the Bible says he, doesn't, he didn't even know it. He thought he was dreaming. Eventually, when he found himself outside, he realized it wasn't a vision and it wasn't a dream and he was free. And then he tried to get into the church meeting. It was easier to get out of jail than to get into the church meeting. He knocks at the door, the woman comes to and says, who's that? Peter. No, you're not. And she goes away. She leaves him outside. And her name was Rhoda. And... Uh, Anyway, so eventually he gets in and he explains what happened and then the Bible says he, he moves on. And, and I'm trying to tell you, what I'm trying to say is this. I'm trying to say that Peter was relaxed. 
And I wonder if he wasn't relaxed because he knew that he had nothing to stand in judgment before God. That God didn't have anything to condemn him and say, no, 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 this time you stay in jail. You, 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 you denied my son. You denied my son. Everybody heard you. You, you, you traitor. The rooster crowed. Every time the rooster crows, you're gonna, I'm going to remind you of your failure. You traitor. You liar. You good for nothing disciples. I mean, Jesus, you walked with him for three years. You saw all the miracles. You saw everything that happened. And the first time that something difficult happens, you say, no, I don't know the guy. He denied knowing Jesus. And according to some religious practices, Peter should have gone straight to hell. Don't pass go, don't collect 200 grand, straight to hell. Why? He denied Jesus. But guess what? He's sleeping between two soldiers in a jail and the angel needs to, to hit him to wake him up. The guy is out. He's, oh, okay, it's okay, I'll see you tomorrow morning. But the guy's going to cut your head. Ah, well, whatever. Why? My, my contention is this. There is no fear in love. 1 John 4.18 Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And punishment comes because of judgment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now that word perfected is a beautiful word and is the word teleios. Which speaks of something that goes from one point of inadequacy to perfection. And it's a journey. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that speaks of a journey. Like television. Vision from one place to another. Telephone. Phonos. Sound from one place to another. Um, everything that's got the word tele before comes from the Greek word teleios. Which means from one place to another. It's a journey. It's a moving word. So he says you have not. You have not been perfected. You are, you, are still, you are still along, you know, taking your time along the, the path of, of, of understanding that God has forgiven you. There is no fear in love. And let me tell you something. If, if you are honest with me and we go back to the very beginning of our Christian experience... There has been a lot of fear. Fear of judgment. Fear of upsetting God. Fear of not doing His will. Fear of missing His plan. Fear of doing something that was wrong. Fear of letting Him down. How dare you, after He died for you, behave like that? I mean, come on, do you call yourself a Christian? And that's been over and over and over and over. Religion has built fear into us to the point... When something takes a little time to happen, without God, without His love. Because we base our relationship with God on answered prayers instead of the cross. And the proof of His love has never been answered prayer. 
It's always been, always and only the cross. For God so loved the world. God demonstrated, manifested his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's got nothing to do with why we you know, and he has answered my prayers to demonstrate his love. No, 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 no. No. Uh, no. His love is demonstrated by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And on that blood, it's standing strong, my complete forgiveness. My total, eternal, complete once and for all, forgiveness. We saw the book of Hebrews that over and over and over and over again he says, And their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. By one single offer he has perfected forever those who have been sanctified. Colossians, he has forgiven you all your trespasses. Over and over and over, Ephesians the Colossians, Philippians, um, Hebrews, wherever you touch, you'll find out that the blood of Jesus has canceled your debt with God's justice once and for all. And on that, there is no fear in love. Now imagine, how would you feel if in the back of your mind you had the rooster crowing? Because remember, when, when, when Peter denied Jesus for, for the third time. And like I said to you before in the book of Luke, it, it says that Jesus turned and looked at him. So at that moment, I think the, 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 the sword of, of, of self-accusation must have cut Peter's heart. When Jesus, his blood pouring on his face, looked at him and I know Jesus smiled. Because that's my Jesus. That's my God. He turned to him and he tried to communicate to him, Peter, it's okay. I knew you were going to do this before you did it. Remember when I told you? When the rooster crows? So, how do you... What is, the, what is that rooster that crows in your head? And it reminds you of something wrong that you did. Because that's the, way, that's the way that it happened with Peter. Every time a rooster crowed. Don't you know that the devil turned around and said, Hey, listen Pete. Listen Pete, listen nicely. This reminds you what a lousy Christian you are. Every time a rooster crows, you should go down on your face and ask for forgiveness once again. But you see... The problem with that is that the Bible doesn't tell us that our asking for forgiveness produces forgiveness of sins. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So it's not the asking for forgiveness that produces the forgiveness, but it's the shedding of blood. Jesus paid by shedding his blood. Forgiveness is done once and for all. There's never been a system in the Jewish way of forgiveness whereby you would ask God to forgive you and he would forgive you. No, you would go to the temple with a sacrifice. And blood would be shed on your behalf. Something innocent would have to die for you guilty to be released. And of course in the Old Testament it was only for a year. Yom Kippur to Yom Kippur. 
And like I told you before, you can imagine the guy, you know, Abe Rabinovitz is going home and, you know, just half an hour after Yom Kippur, he's, been, he's gone to the temple, the, the high priest has gone inside, he's declared the sins of Israel forgiven for a whole year. And while he's going home on his, on his mule, somebody with a, with a racing mule cuts him off. And he goes, I don't know how you swear in, in Yiddish. But anyway, sorry. But he's, and immediately, immediately, he's lost his forgiveness. So he has to wait another 364 days to get his new lot. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, through one offering of his body, acquired forgiveness for our sins once and for all. The blood has been shed, the blood of the perfect sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The blood has been shed, you can sleep comfortably. There's no more fear. There's no more fear. You see, that's why Peter, after, after all the turmoil in his head about the rooster crowing and about denying Christ and about all the stuff that he did, after all that, he, anybody else would have thought, that's it. That's why I'm in jail. This is payback, boy. I know, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please get me out of here. The guy is sleeping. He's sleeping. Why? Because there is no fear in love. Why there is no fear in love? Because fear has to do with punishment based on judgment. And my punishment has been taken by my God on a cross 2,000 years ago. And I'm not going through that again. No matter what religion says... Jesus paid once and for all for my sins. And I am forgiven. However, there are some scriptures in the Bible that um, have been plaguing the mind of Christians for a long time. One of them is this. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And it's a story of the sheep and the goats. And you've heard it, and I've heard it, and we've all heard it. You better behave, otherwise Jesus will look at you and say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. You call me Lord, Lord, and then you don't do the things that I ask you. Depart from me. Okay, now let's, let's see what... This is all about. Alright? When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations. Note, all the nations, not the Christians. All the nations. The word in the Hebrew is the word goim. And He speaks of nations. <clears throat> not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles. Everybody. This is talking about humanity. And I'll show you just now another picture of humanity. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. So watch what's happening. The shepherd is separating 
sheep from goats. And like you might see in the background, there are no shoats and there are no geeps. There's only sheep and goats. There's nothing in between. There's no bad behaving sheep or good behaving goats. There's only goats and there's only sheep. Now watch. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, sheep, Come, you who are blessed Mama Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking to? Mark so with your finger. He's talking to you. He's talking to sheep. Right? He's talking to sheep. He separated the sheep from the goats. And now he's talking to sheep. Come, blessed of your father. Uh, give me the one of. Inherit the kingdom prepared. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was th- and you say, ah, Mario, you see. That's, that's why he did it. No, 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 no. You must understand that you don't do that in order to become a sheep. You do that because you're a sheep. You don't behave properly in order to be a Christian. You behave properly because you're a Christian. That was the nature of what? Of love. Caring. And, and, and Jesus is saying they manifested that love that was inside of them. That nature of the sheep was the nature of the father. Father prepared the kingdom for his sheep, for his children. And out of that, the manifestation of that was what? Was helping your brother. Loving your brother. See, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous. Who? What are you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So who is he talking to? He's talking to you. And he's talking to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and gave you drink? When did you see a stranger and welcome you? Naked and clothe you? When did you see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, my, my brothers, you did it to me. Alright, so there's a, there's, a, there's a family business here. There's a family deal here. Then, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. Are you cursed? Last time I checked, the Bible says that we've been blessed with all, with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Right? So we're the blessed, so we're not the cursed. So he's not talking to us. Say he's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. Uh, I was there, no, no. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. The stranger and you did not welcome me. And naked. Da, 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 da. Okay. Why didn't they do that? Had they done that, would they have become sheep? No. They would have been good goats. But like I said, they're no geeps and they're no shouts. You are either a sheep or a goat. You might be a bad behaving sheep or a good behaving goat. But the difference is in your nature, not in your behavior. Your behavior is a result of your nature. And that's why Jesus said, commended them for manifesting the nature of, of the Father.
Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and hungry? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous. Who's the righteous? We're the righteous. Into eternal life. Does that make sense? Is that difficult? But you will get preachers that will hang you to dry on that thing. Because you don't do those things. Hey boy, you risking some serious fire. Wrong, 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 wrong. Okay. Then there's another one. Have you heard about the great white throne judgment? Right? Okay. It's a, uh, okay. <laughs> that, that should have bugged you because that is some serious... I mean, check here. Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated... By the way, let me tell you something. This is the same throne... And at the same time, in the book of Corinthians, he calls it the Bema of Christ, this, the seat of Christ. It's the same throne. In the book of, uh, in the book of uh, James, it speaks about the throne of Christ. Just now, the king was seated on his throne. This is the same moment, the same time, when all the nations get before God, and God says, you can go to my left, you can go to my right. Why do we go to, my, to, the, to your right? Because you are my children. They are not. Remember what we're talking about? There is no fear in love. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. And punishment draws its strength from judgment. And that's how religion keeps you bound and imprisoned by telling you you're going to be judged. And that's why I'm here tonight to try and break some religious chains. And maybe some of you are going, I don't know what's happening. But all I'm asking you to do is check the Bible. Alright? Let's check the Bible. It says, From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead and I saw that, who's he, who's he, who did he see? The dead. Are you dead? So is he talking to you? I rest my case. Let's carry on. And he saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Ah, now we go religious. Because... Ah, no, wait a minute. And another book was opened. Okay, books were opened, and then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Ah, so it's not the same of the books, but it's another book. It's the book of life is another book. Not those books, it's another book, okay? So, which is the book of life? And the dead, not us, the dead were judged by what was written in the books. According to what they had done. They did. According to what they had done in the books. Come on. You remember the, the, the big spotlight. And you're standing in front there. And God is going to show to the whole universe. Every thought that you had in your life. 
And he's going to tell you how dare you think you can escape the condemnation of what you did in 16 April 1948. Some of you are not born in, let's say, 84. Yeah? Okay, now watch. According to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead. And this is where the sea represents humanity. Okay? The sea is always a, a, a shadow of humanity. And the sea gave up the dead. The who? The dead. The dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead. Who? The dead. Who's he talking to? The dead. What are you? Alive. Is he talking to you? Maxwell Chukop? No. Okay, good. Right. And they were judged. They were judged. They were judged. Each one of them according to what they had done. And boy, have we been hammered with scriptures like this. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. They were judged. Each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. Remember the other book? Your book, my book, not the other books, not the set of books. For the judgment, no, the book of life. You know why the dead are not written in the book of life? Because they did. I know it's very deep. I can give you the Greek and the Hebrew for it. They're not in the book of life because they did. So you're not in the book of life because you deserve it. You're in the book of life because you are alive. And if you are in Christ, you have eternal life. Okay. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This, the Bible calls it the second death. Because if you, if you are born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you die once. If you're, only, if you're only born physically, you will die physically and you will die spiritually. But if you're born physically and spiritually, you will only die physically. Your spirit will never die. You will never experience the second death. Okay, so now let's see where we show up. In the next chapter, Revelation chapter 21. This is still John seeing the vision and speaking in the book of Revelation and saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And the sea was no more. Humanity was no more. This is it. Everybody's gone. Everybody's dead. Okay? Once upon a time, I had an interpretation for the sea. That is, I had to recant, but it's still, it's still nice. Uh, when John wrote this, he wrote it on an island. So everywhere he looked, there was a sea. And all his friends, all his brothers, all, his, all the people he loved were on the other side of the sea. So I thought, one day there will be no more sea. And I will be back with my brothers. Now that's okay. It's cute. And it's nice. But I think at this He's talking about humanity. He's talking about the point in time where everybody's dead. We have finished the story of humanity. That's why everybody's in front of the throne. All right?
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Where is God abiding right now? And I heard a lot of them. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as they God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And Jesus said, Behold, I make everything new. The former things have passed away. So now. Luke chapter 9, 49 and 50. His disciple John came to him and said, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. And we told him not to. After all, he isn't in our group. Now, haven't you... One thing I've been talking to my wife. Isn't that strange that you are the... Greatest pals and friends while you're part of the same church. But you dare, you dare leaving this church and going to the church down the road and I cut you off. I don't greet you when I see you in the street anymore because you are not part of my group anymore. And instead of being an embracing thing, it becomes a divisive thing. Do you think that is what God wants? I don't think so. I don't think you want your children to fight. And that's why Jesus tried to say it. He said, you shouldn't have done that. For anyone who is not against us, is for us. And so I have created the only two denominations on earth that Jesus recognizes there are 42,000 denominations on earth today recorded 42,000 different denomina- Christian denominations okay the, 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 the ones that worship like this the ones that worship like this the ones that worship like this the ones that worship like that the ones that worship loud the ones that worship soft the ones that worship with eyes closed the ones that worship with eyes and this, uh, the, the ones with the long dresses the blue, blue long dresses the ones with the short dresses the ones the one with the skinny jeans the ones with the you know the, there's 42,000 denominations but Jesus only has two The Againstians and the Forians. Only two. If he's not against us, he's for us. And how... Who is the Forian? The foreign is the sheep. The foreign is the righteous of Revelation chapter 20. The foreign is the son. The foreign is the one that has accepted Christ as his way of salvation. The foreign is the one that has accepted Christ 
offer of adoption. The foreigner is the one that says, I will be your son. The Agastians can be as good as you want. But if you're a goat, you might be a good goat. You might be a praying goat. You might be a fasting goat. You might be a tithe-paying goat. You might be a church-going goat. You might be part of the goat's worship team. You, you can be the goat preacher, but if you're a goat, you're a goat. What you do does not change who you are. <laughs> On the other side, if you're a sheep, you can be a sheep in a discotheque. You can be a sheep as drunk as a skunk. You can, and I'm not saying that's a good thing to do because now you save the new case. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong subjecting yourself to the flesh. Paul says, consider yourself dead to sin. There is, there's a, there's a, there's a way, there's a, there's, a, there's a way of behaving, there's something that God says, please don't do that. But if you're a sheep, you might be a stupid sheep. You might be an unrepented sheep. You might be a distant sheep. You must be an alcoholic sheep, but if you're a sheep, you're a sheep. Like I said, there are no geeps and there are no shouts. You're either a sheep or a goat. And so if you're a sheep, you're a sheep, you are the righteous, and you are the son. The Agastians are the goats, the unrighteous, the dead, the strangers. You are alive, you're a sheep, you're the righteous, and you're a son. That is the demarcation line between for us and against us. Got nothing to do with feeding the poor or going to church or praying four hours a day or, you know, whatever. It's your nature. And the nature only takes place when there's a divine DNA swap. And the only divine DNA swap that happens is when you are born from above. And that's when the seed of God comes down through His Spirit and He kills you and you are born again. Nothing to do with you, nothing to do with the way you behave, nothing to do with whether you deserve it or not. It's, I, I gave you my testimony when I got saved. No repentance, no, no, no declaration of sin, no forgive me, no nothing. Nothing. Just, hey, I don't even know if you exist, but if, if you exist, I have reached the end of my rope. Help me, please. And the second day of February 1982, at 1130 
in my bathroom in 4A Oakland's Road orchards, this boy called out to the name of the Lord and he was saved. No repentance, no special prayer, no 14 words repeat after me, no cry, no list of uh, repent, uh, renounce uh, the occult, uh, do this, do that, do the other, nothing of that. Just the heart of a human being that God had created that cried out to his creator and said, I don't even know if you can do this, but if you can, please help me. I've been calling out to a bunch of other gods and nobody helped me. And the atheist changed into a foreign. Yeah. Of course, but of exactly, exactly. Marina just nailed it. We look at some people, and they don't even necessarily have to be uh, bad people. We we uh, don't put your hand up. But how many of you have judged religious people? You know, like starts with N and ends with here. Oh, 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 my my crowd back in Italy with the evangelicals, boy, the Antichrist, the Pope is the Antichrist. Every single Catholic is going to hell, he's going to burn in hell and we're going to hear him screaming because he's a Roman Catholic. And I'm telling you something else. You know, you can't even point the finger against Muhammad al-Bakir. Because Muhammad al-Bakir might be visited by a supernatural vision of, of Christ who gave his life for Muhammad al-Bakir and he paid with his blood. His life has been redeemed. He needs to know that God is not mad at him anymore. But what does the church do? The church goes out and says, you're going to hell na, 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 because you worship Allah. Yeah, he worships Allah because he's an idiot. And he doesn't know any better. That's why Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive him. Why? Because they're a bunch of idiots. They don't know any better. Of course. Of course. The guy, the guy just made it through like, like the snail to the ark. I mean, that's why it left all that streak. Sorry. Yeah, he just made it through just by the, by the nick of time. So, so having done that, <clears throat> now we're going back to the original scripture. And he said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. But notice, he goes to sleep. Why? Because he trusts the process. And tonight I'm just asking you to trust the process. You don't know how. You don't know how. This is another suddenly. Peter sleeping in the jail and suddenly here comes the angel. Wake up, Pete. You must be the next Pope. Come on, let's go. <laughs> you can't die. <laughs> no, that's my word. So, 
But suddenly, suddenly, not quickly, not quickly, suddenly, suddenly, Peter is awoken by an angel. Now, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not the type of person that speaks of angelic visitations and everything. Praise the Lord. If an angel ever appears to me, I pray it doesn't appear at night. Because it's going to freak me out. Something serious. <laughs> I'm going to fly right through my window into the swimming pool. One go. One go. But hey, if, if, if he appears, whatever. But one thing I know, I shared with you, I don't know how this thing happened. I don't, I don't know how my salvation happened. I really don't. If I were to take the Bible and go through verse by verse, the only one that I can go to is whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if I had only that one verse, that verse saved my life. I don't know. Finances, I don't know how they're going to come. Health, I don't know how it's going to come. Restoration of Relationship? I don't know. But I just know that once I put the seed in the ground, and then I want to show you something, because look what he does. The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He didn't just go to sleep. He dug the ground. He worked. He did everything that he was supposed to do. Many times I said, don't pray for a job. Go out and give your CV to as many people as you can. Do what you can. We, we actually, we actually uh, I remember that uh, uh, I spoke to Ray McCauley when, when we needed to build the, that, that big building. And I asked, I asked his, because uh, Ray McCauley is the only pastor I've ever known. He, he brought me the good news in 1982, and uh, I was part of his church for about a year. We were part of his church for about a year. And uh, so when, when, when I got to the, to the point that I needed this building, and I mean, I can't remember if we had a budget or what, but I mean, this was millions, and we didn't have anything. We never had anything. We just... <laughs> just, uh, we just uh, just walked. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, Mario, get a bond. Because if you build with a bond now, you're going to build at a certain cost. If you wait until you have the money, in 10 years' time, that cost will be 10 times as much. And I saw the wisdom, and so we got a bond. It was a half a million, wasn't it? Six hundred. There you go, my, my private accountant. 650,000 rand, and we built that, that building. Paid cash. And like I said to you before, today we don't owe one cent to anybody. Everything is paid. Everything, everything from the chairs to, to, to the projector to the... Everything is paid for. To the glory of God. How did it happen? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I told you about the roof. How do you think this roof of the double story happened? We needed 25,000 rand 
And we had the walls and we had the slab and we had the central post because I scattered. I built as far as I could build. I dug and I did everything that I could do. And then I said, okay, now it's up to you. The, chill, the, the kids and I went upstairs around the pole and we started praising the Lord. I prayed and played the guitar. I said, hallelujah, all things are possible to him who believes. Hallelujah, glory to God. Nothing is... And that time, it didn't take as long as the other one. I can't remember, a week or two or three later, I got a phone call. Go down the steps. There's an envelope stuck to the wall. And this time wasn't twenty five thousand dollars; it's twenty five thousand rand. But it was enough to build the, to build the roof. And we we went on from one to the other. And please hear me nicely. I don't like testimonies that much. You know why I don't like testimonies that much? Because now there's few of us, and it's fine. But when I have 500 people in front of me, and I bring a testimony about how God provided for my need, I know there's someone sitting right at the back right now that is starving and is being faithful in his giving and he's being faithful in his whatever it is and he's asking himself, why did you do it for him and why are you not doing it for me? And then people stand up and say, God healed me from an ingrown toenail. And there's someone with cancer at the back there that says, well, he didn't heal me. And so testimonies, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess are okay. They're supposed to build faith, but I don't think... The Bible doesn't tell me that your testimony will build my faith. The Bible tells me that the hearing of the word of God builds my faith. It's when I hear the voice of God through his word that says, And I heard it, Zechariah 4. And then Zerubbabel began to build the house of the Lord. Him and Sheltiel, he began to build the house of the Lord. Him and the prophets. And I heard God saying, Go build my house. And that's how this whole thing started. So, it's scattered seed. It was St. Francis that said, Do what's necessary. Then do the possible. And then sit back and wait for God to do the impossible. But there's a lot of, lot of Christians that sit on their blessed assurance and they just pray. And prayer is fine. But James, quite Jewishly, say, put some action to your prayer. Don't just, don't just sit there. Come on, do something. Faith without works is dead. And she sleep by night and rise by day. You can see the cycle. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. But every night he goes to sleep. And he doesn't know what's happening in the ground. But he knows the process is taking place. He knows the seed is on schedule. And I don't know what you're waiting for. But tonight, I wanted to 
rip away from you the fear of judgment so that you can sit and go to sleep because your seed is on schedule. Amen. If you have any questions or anything you want to chat about, that is the love of my life. Goodbye. <laughs> Anybody? Any? Any? Did it, did it help you tonight? It's so easy. And, and, it, and it's so subtle. There's a word with which the word of God introduces the snake to the story. And it's the word cunning. The snake was the most, most cunning of all animals. Now I don't remember what the Hebrew word is. But it's the word that is used for naked. And it's the word that says smooth. It, it's translated smooth. So the snake was smooth. Have you ever heard of a smooth salesman? What does a smooth salesman do? He sells you what ice in winter. He will sell raincoats to the Arabs and fridges to the Eskimos because he's a smooth operator. That is beautiful the way that the, 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 I can check it now, but it doesn't matter. It's the word that speaks of smoothness and that's why it's also translated naked and it's also sometimes translated um, effeminate. It's smooth. The snake is a smooth operator. He will never show up with a 13-end note. He will always bring to your attention something that you did. He will never accuse you of something that you didn't do. He will never accuse you of something that you did. Even if he's just not having, even if he's just having doubts. Even if you're so good that you've never done anything wrong, he will come and say, you know why you're not getting what you're getting? Because you don't have enough faith. You're doubting. Do you think God is going to bless you when you doubt? Doesn't the Bible say that he will do it if you believe from your heart that you receive? And he will bring all that as a smooth operator. will drop it on your lap and will say, there you are. Now deal with that. Because God is going to judge you for that. And tonight what I try to do is I try to say to you that you're not a goat, you're a sheep. You're not the dead, you're alive. Your name is not written, your deeds are not written in a set of books out of which you will be judged. Your name. You see, the dead have their deeds recorded in the books. 
We have our name recorded in another book, the book of life. We are recorded for who we are. They are recorded for what they do. So I pray that I have relieved you from the fear of judgment so that you can rest on the love of God and so that you can go to sleep breathe real deeply and say, you know what? I don't know how. But I know you do. And I trust you for it. Amen. Father, thank you. That in our ignorance, there's one thing we know. I pray that we know the love of God. And even though you say it surpasses knowledge, by the revelation of your word, by the revelation of your spirit, by the revelation of your presence in our heart, we can say, yes, I know my God loves me. And I know I will not be judged. And I know I'm free and I'm safe. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, my, 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 my,